This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. I'm your host, Charlie McDermott. Welcome to episode number 546 of the Good Neighbor Podcast. And I love it when we have good neighbors. We always have good neighbors, but good neighbors that go above and beyond. Today we have Eileen Connolly Keister. She's the CEO of Community Foundation of Collier County. Eileen, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing today, Charlie? Oh, I'm doing great. And, you know, again, it's just another lovely day I get to just have a conversation with good slash, can I say great neighbors? Great. Folks that really help it. our community. And I know our listeners are going, you know, some of them haven't heard about the Community Foundation, which again is, is the point of the show. So let's start there. Eileen, tell us about Community Foundation of Collier County. Yeah, let me tell you a little bit about community foundations. There's about 750 in the United States. So not every community has a community foundation. They were created about 105 years ago is when they started in the United States. And it really was a vehicle so that people could give money back to their community without handing it to government to do it. Because there are people who actually do not trust the government (laughs) to give it to a nonprofit who is gonna oversee that money. So um, they kind of started there as a vehicle and they have grown just unbelievable over those last hundred years. This community foundation started in 1985 and that's what you'll see across the United States most popped up in the mid eighties. And it was designed again as a vehicle for people to do charitable giving in Collier County. And so we kind of have two arms. You know, one, we work with donors who want to do charitable giving. They may want to do it while they're alive. They may want to do it in their estate. Um, They may be unsure of what they want to do with their money when they're not here anymore. And so we help them kind of lay out a plan on what will work for them. It's their money. You tell us what you want to do, and we'll help you put a plan together. And then we work with the 400 or so nonprofits in Collier County and connect the two. So um, we do, a, we have about 280 million in assets uh, right now. And last year did over $30 million in grant making here and kind of across the United States because donors many times have two homes. So they want to give here and they want to give where they came from. So we kind of allow that to happen. And our whole point is we're doing the oversight to make sure the money is doing what it's supposed to do when it's supposed to do it and uh, keeping the government out of it. <laughs> I love that last part. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you don't all think government knows how to spend money well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we learn more and more about that every day. Um, so that that wow, that's so insightful. Thank you for sharing that. I had no idea there were that many uh, throughout the country, and uh, it all makes sense. How long have you been with the foundation? I have been with this foundation um, since 2013, so just over eight years, but I was a president of the Oshkosh Area Community Foundation in Wisconsin for 14 years. So I have 20 some years experience working in uh, community foundations with donors, with nonprofits and taking leadership roles, trying to make it a better community. Good for you. So, yeah, let's talk about your journey then, Eileen. Uh, It sounds like you were driven to get involved in helping the community. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how you got there. Well, I think uh, probably growing up with a mom who was a school teacher (laughs) Mm. in a very tiny community in Wisconsin where uh, you had 300 people and and it was very much a community that came together to do everything. 
Um, and so you kind of learn really young that you need to volunteer and you need to give back to your communities. So I kind of had that social worker in me um, that I was brought up with. And then I worked in domestic violence for 15 years. Um, and then um, the community foundation in Oshkosh came to me and said, we'd really like you to apply for that president spot. I didn't know much about community foundations, but I knew that um, I probably had it in me to do something broader than just one issue and that uh, you could build you know, what was happening. So I went into that foundation. It had about 20 million. And when I left, we had just a little under 90 million and we're doing, you know, a lot of good work. So uh, it's, uh, you know, it's about, you know, being able to see how to do things to give back to the community. What, what is it that needs to happen and what is the best way for that to happen? And how do we make sure we aren't duplicating or wasting money? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So Wisconsin, then you end up in Naples. That's Was true. Really, uh, <laughs> do you miss Wisconsin and the small town uh, uh, community? And well, I, when I was married and raising our kids, we were in a little bit larger community in Nina, yeah. Wisconsin. But um, uh, we still go back. We were just back there last week. And, uh, you know, we started coming to Naples because I was working with my donors from Oshkosh who were here in winter, right? Ah, right. You know the community and got to see it. And just uh, just timing was the position open here and I applied and got it. And it's it's been great. I, I don't regret not living in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to visit yeah. it and go back, but I don't regret that move ever. I'm afraid uh, okay. to pat me on the shoulder and tell me I got to go back, but... Uh, yeah, that's funny. No, I'm, I hear you. I hear you from Pennsylvania. And I really enjoy Pennsylvania about six to eight weeks a year. Yes. <laughs> that's correct. So how about mis misconceptions? What do you hear when it comes to the, whether it's your community foundation or others, you know, that you can speak to? Yeah, there's a lot going on right now around donor advised funds. And um, the fact that Congress is really looking at that and saying, you know, donors across the United States are stockpiling money and they're taking tax deductions and they aren't doing anything with their money. That is so not true of what happens in our communities. We have to have donor advised funds because when the crisis hits here, when Irma hits, uh, yeah. when red tide hits, when a pandemic hits, those are the people we go to to ask them to put money aside for us to be able to address whatever need is going on. We do not see donors stockpiling millions and millions and millions of dollars and doing nothing with it. And in fact, many community foundations have policies that you have to do grants out of your donor advised funds. You can't just sit on it. Um, so it's totally inaccurate information that's floating out there. Um, and some of that came from the large endowments that sit in the private schools like Harvard and Yale. And, you know, they've got large endowments and Congress did not feel like they were given enough money out in scholarships. But then we all get lumped in, um, into mm -hmm. the, you know, as, as it usually happens. Um, but, you know, they really need to separate out what community foundations do versus what commercial funds do or what universities do. It's very different. I would say in a private foundation, like if I had money and I could do my own foundation, Congress says you have to spend 5% a year. In a community foundation, our donor advice are spending well over 10% a year. So why are we penalizing them? It doesn't make any sense. Um, we're doing more right. than private foundations are doing. 
So that is indeed a myth. Um, we will fight that till the end. I don't know if we'll win it or not, but um, we will fight to say leave donors make the decisions they want to make when they want to make it. Um, in this community alone, you know, six, seven million dollars is put into the nonprofits in this community because we have donor advised funds here. So wow. it's an impact. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the fact that it is a local impact with very little overhead. And, and again, very you know, overhead. You know our yeah. operating budget is under 1% of our assets. Wow. So, wow. Talking about a good bank for your buck, working with the community yeah. foundation can give you that. Mm -hmm. hmm. So Eileen, you obviously stay very busy. My goodness, working with 400 plus nonprofits and everything you do and the donors and all that. But do you carve out any time for just fun, relaxation? Give us a little inside insight there. Um, you know, once we moved to Florida, um, we we took our first cruise because you know going out of wisconsin there there is no <laughs> um and uh have really loved that <laughs> have loved um being able to go other you know to several places on several stops so that that's been fun up until mm -hmm. the pandemic obviously uh now probably wouldn't be so much fun i think for pat my husband and i the um the beach was the most important not golfers so when we moved we wanted to be close enough to the beach where we could walk it and every saturday and sunday unless it's raining we are on that beach before sun up and watch the sun come up and oh, been wow. doing that for eight and a half years and it is spectacular so for us um it's the beach definitely yeah 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 my goodness we are so blessed and it's just it's like a little mini vacation you know you just whether it's after work or you know weekend mornings or whatnot yeah you just get there and it's like Oh, your shoulders drop and yep. yeah, take in nature. Wow. Just, you know, walking out into the humidity, you know, that's what you did when you left Wisconsin in winter to go to Mexico or someplace. Yeah. And and so for a lot of years, we've said when we walk out in that humidity first thing in the morning, it's like being on vacation. Yes. Because it's what yes. we associate vacation with. So. <laughs> oh, that's great. How about when it comes to hardship, life challenge? I mean, what comes to mind, you know, looking back in, in life, a period of time where it was a rough go, but you got through and you can now say, hey, I'm better for it. I learned some lessons from it. You know, the, the thing I learned early on working in domestic violence, because keep in mind, that was the late 80s and into the 90s when we still weren't even really identifying domestic violence existed. Mm. Um, so you're hitting a lot of roadblocks, a lot of roadblocks at that. And I, I learned really young that quit trying to hit it and figure out how to go around it. And I uh, frequently sit back, it's like, here's our problem, here's how we're gonna get around it. Cause hitting it head on is not going to work. We're gonna, the roadblock's not going away. We have to, I don't wanna say manipulate, but we have to look at, at what is in our environment around us that we can figure out how to get around this issue. So um, that was, you know, because it was hard. It was really hard back then when you're dealing with police that didn't want to make arrests and you're dealing with court systems and judges that did not want to prosecute nor, you know, there, there was just a lot going on back in the day yeah. around that issue. So I think that I learned that very young, um, how to move around a problem. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You bring back, you know, it, it's, it's, for those who haven't lived through that, it's hard to believe in this day and age that not that long ago, 
yeah, domestic violence was one of those brush offs. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, no big deal. And actually, in Wisconsin, um, you could not prosecute your husband that abused you um, until after 1979. It was almost 1980 before Chapter 111 was passed. Well, I don't know if that was a federal law or if that was just a Wisconsin law at that time, but that isn't that long ago, you know? No. That wow. you could not, yeah, legally you could not prosecute. So, wow. Yeah. Hmm. About one thing you wish our listeners knew about the Community Foundation of Collier County, what would that be? Um, you know that we will work with people who want to give away five thousand dollars, or people want to give away five million dollars. That this isn't. I think I want everyone to know that everybody has the right to be a philanthropist, right? Mm. And that um, you don't have to have a million dollars to walk in these doors because a lot of our donors don't. A lot of our donors can start a fund for a couple thousand dollars. They can put their name on it. They can build it to 10,000. That's kind of our magic number. We know we can get it to live forever if it's at 10,000. And they can do grant making to the things they care about. And we can help them. We can give them ideas and we can give them grants that that agencies have sent us so that they can kind of look at what's out there. But, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is everybody has a right to be a philanthropist, every single person in mm. the United States. So we're that's a, that's a, that's a wonderful message, Eileen. Uh, and I see on the website, yeah, you know, there's a tab there where you can establish a fund. So yeah. uh, that's very, very interesting, especially that's probably one of the challenges you had being based in Naples that, People probably think, oh, yeah, that's just for the, the, the multi-gazillionaires and, and not for the average, you know, Charlie or Joe or Mary. So, yeah. And the other thing people think is because of all that wealth, it's everything's taken care of. Yeah. Let, yeah. Me, let me give you a different perspective on that. Mm-hmm. So most people have come some somewhere else and we'll use Wisconsin because we've been talking about it. But in Wisconsin, typically eight to 15% of your tax dollars go to helping human services. So food banks and shelters and animals, whatever. In Florida, we are the only county in the entire state of Florida that does not use any tax dollars to support our human services, our shelters, our food banks, all right? Not because we don't charge taxes. That's why people domicile here, right? Because you don't pay taxes. Well, when you don't pay taxes, there's nothing to give to the nonprofits who want to help the people who need the help. So our thing is where you came from, probably tax dollars are helping those organizations. Here they are not. So you we're asking people to to give where you live. You live here part time, give here part time. You know, I'm not saying don't give back to where you came from because you should. You probably raised your kids there and made your money there. That's all great. But think about this, too, because they think you're in a wealthy community. You don't need the money here. We need it because there's no tax dollars. We have 400 nonprofits who are trying to provide services to all the people that need things here, from kids to seniors. So the only way that happens is with philanthropy in this county. Again, different than the rest of the state of Florida. We are unique. Wow. Wow. Um. Wow. <laughs> and so how about next door, Lee County? How does it how does it work there? Um, most of the other counties, um, the last time I looked at the numbers were, again, between 8 and 12 yeah. percent of the money that's raised there, um, you know, goes to human services. 
Here, we are very careful about voting people into the political spots to make sure taxes don't get raised. Mm. And that's fine. Totally good. Because as I said early on in this um, podcast is, I don't know that government knows how to give it away anyway. So I think yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Um, but that being said, that money has to come from somewhere. When you have yeah. today, 61 senior women living in their cars in this county. We have 50 to 70 veterans living in camps in Collier County in the woods. Our veterans who su supported us, who protected us, we're, you know, we have to be able to step up and provide services to them. We have thousands who have gone through food banks um, and food pantries, especially with the pandemic. Right. We've got people unemployed. We have low income people who are doing services for the people of wealth. They might be cutting the lawns. They might be doing the pools. They might, you know, whatever they're doing, maybe they're not a working wage because in Collier County, you need to make $66,000 to live here. And now mm. you're 15 bucks an hour, two people working. That doesn't exist. So it's just a matter of understanding the economics for Collier County are different. And um, we want to make sure that people get services when they're here and they need it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Good stuff. So I know we have listeners, Eileen, who want to learn more, want to get in touch. What's the best way for them to do so? Um, they can go on our website. There's um, a lot of information, but you can contact any one of the staff off the website. You can contact me, Eileen, at the Community Foundation. Um, our phone number here is 239-649-5000. Um, you can email us. Um, come in and see us. Um, are all, we aren't all here all the time right now with the pandemic, but the, we are here. The door is open all the time. Um, so our website is cfcollier.org. Take a look at that. Um, we'd love to talk with you, whether you're a nonprofit who's raising money or you're a donor who's thinking about doing something in this community and want to learn more about statistics. On our website, we have a study called Vital Signs. And um, that will give you a lot of information about Collier County. It will tell you about foreclosures and food stamps. Um, it will tell you about graduation rates, crime rates. Everything is, is in that document. Um, mm. It's a deep document, so you can spend a lot of time looking at it. But it will give you a snapshot of what is happening here in Collier County. And we do update that every year. So a lot of our statistics now are five years statistics on that. And um, the sad thing is this year we will not be updating it because the state hasn't updated any of their data because of COVID. So we're going to be delayed a year, but the data is from 2019. So it's not that long ago, Yeah. but go on the website. There's a lot of information out there. There's a needs assessment we did five years ago with the Schultz Foundation and 30 other nonprofits. And um, that'll tell you what people were thinking about what the top needs are in Collier County. So, Perfect. yeah. Well, Eileen, thank you once again. And uh, really, I know our listeners, thank you for all that you're doing and your staff there. And uh, we wish you the best going forward. Thank you. Appreciate it, Charlie. And to all the listeners, thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast. To nominate your favorite local business to be featured on the show, go to goodneighborpodcast.com. That's goodneighborpodcast.com. Or call us at 239-224-4105.